Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Amazing. Wow, this has been such a beautiful Mother's Day. I feel like we're so blessed to be in this house of life, this Lifehouse. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I've really felt to talk about restoration. Thank you so much. Um, to talk about restoration and God's plan for restoration, I understand on Mother's Day, it is lighthearted and it is joyful and it's exciting. But I also know for, for many people, uh, it might actually be weighing heavily on you today if you're a mother and you know that your children aren't going to be able to make it home today. I know mums love to have all the chickens in the coop and, and it can hurt when, um, when they're not, for whatever reason that might be, whether a family member has been estranged, um, whether your, your child has decided to kind of go their own way. And also for children, if you don't get the chance to be with your mums today, if your mum has passed away or if you don't have anything to do with your mum, I understand that there's a lot of com- complexities that do also come along with Mother's Day. And so today I've felt really strongly to speak about restoration and God's plan for restoration within, um, within relationships, within marriages, within families, within friendships, within communities, and also within us. And so I want to start by reading a verse today from Romans 10, which if you've brought your Bible along, well done. You don't need to, but it's, it's fun to, because then you can bookmark things and read it later. But we're going to be reading from Romans 10, um, and we'll jump back to it at the end as well. So feel free to bookmark that. But to begin with, I want to read Romans 10, verse 21, at the end of the chapter, where God is speaking to his people. And he says this line, All day long. I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. All day long, I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. Obstinate also means rebellious. And I just... I just think how amazing is that, that God isn't just a father who, who reaches out his hands to his, his children who are obedient and who are loving and, and doing the right thing. He's actually saying, no, all day long I wait with my arms outstretched for those who are disobedient, for those who are rebellious. That is the father's heart. He wants people to come home. And so he, he waits. He waits with his arms outstretched all day long, every day. That is the God that, that we serve. And so what we're going to do, I just want to pray quickly to begin and just, you know, rest in, um, in the Father's arms that, you know, if you have found your way to God, if you've turned and, and reached out and grabbed his hands, then, then let's pray together as well. And if you haven't, I pray maybe today will be the day that you do. But let's also pray for those who, who aren't in the house of God, who are walking away and, and doing their own thing. Let's pray as well, right to begin with that, that God will begin to draw people. We know that no one comes to the Father unless he draws them. So let's pray together. Father God, we just thank you on this Mother's Day that you are consistent. We thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That no matter who walks in and out of our lives, that you remain the same. You remain steadfast. And God, we, we rest upon you, the solid rock. We reach out and grab your hands that have been extended out to us all day, every day, whether we have realized it or not. We also pray for those who, who are wandering, those who are hurting, family members who are estranged. We pray for the children who aren't walking on the right road 
anymore, Lord, and we ask that you too will draw them in. We know your heart is for them. Your heart is for the lost sheep. And we ask, Jesus, that you, that you will begin to draw them in to this place this morning. We thank you for drawing every single one of us here this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, restoration. What does it mean? It means to bring something back to its its former glory, bring something back to its rightful place. And I don't know about you, but I have felt the call of God on my life to restore furniture. I like going to every op shop I can find and find the most random piece of furniture. And when I say restore, I don't like paint it and and, you know, change it or anything. I just like picking up random pieces of furniture, putting them in my home and trying to make it look right. I just, I feel that all my life. I need to restore it. I need to give it a home so that it can be loved and cherished. Like if you walked into our home at the moment, like you would see there is not a single chair that matches. Like everything is different and random, but it kind of works, right? Kind of (laughs) works. I love it anyway. (laughs) Um, And so one day, I was driving along Standon Street. Who knows Standon Street? Yes, there used to be a chicken that lived on that road. Haven't seen it in a good year. <laughs> um, but you might remember this this story. But I, I was driving past, um, yeah, driving on Standon Street, and I drove past this very stool that you see here today. Have a great look at it. It's absolutely gorgeous, right? It's just a beautiful tone, you know, orange and brown, like that, (laughs) amazing, right? And so I was driving past and I saw it and I'm like, wow, kept going for a little bit. But you know, the call of God, when when he calls you to do something, you can't ignore it, right? So I said, no, I'm going to turn my car around. And I did, came back over, pulled in, did a U-turn, pulled in on the other side of the road. um, And suddenly I'm like, right, this is my mission and I will achieve it. So I jumped out of the car, I ran across the road, and um, I picked up this stool. It's a bit hard to do with that, with a microphone as well. But anyway, I picked up the stool, um, and I kind of forgot that I was on a road. Um, and, you know, it's, you know, it's kind of a busy road as well. And so I was holding this stool in my hand, and meanwhile, there's this car who's reversing out of their driveway on Sandon Street, and um, they didn't see me, I didn't see them. They were going quite quickly because they wanted to, you know, like keep up with, with the traffic. Um, and so the car began to reverse right into me. I didn't see it until it was like an inch away from my face. I'm holding up this stool and I start to jump out the way and I'm like saying to my friend who was with me, I nearly got hit by a car whilst I was still nearly getting hit by a car. It still hadn't seen me. I was still kind of jumping out of the way. And then finally I... Across the road <laughs> safely, probably safer than that chicken that once lived on Sand Street did. It's not a happy story, I don't think. Um, and I got it home, and isn't it worth it? I nearly died, but it's worth it, right? I believe so. It is, it's amazing. We're going to be talking about Jonah. And Jonah also had the call of God on his life to go to Nineveh. But unfortunately, Jonah did not have the same earnest passion that I did about my calling to to restore furniture as he did about his calling to go to Nineveh and preach the Word of God. Nineveh was like the biggest city of the time, um, and it was also full of sin. It was full of 
evil stuff. Like it was, it was not really um, where, you know, you would describe God to kind of be and enjoy. It was kind of the, the opposite of that. And so God, one day, he comes knocking on the door of Jonah's little heart and says, Jonah, my boy, I want you to go to Nineveh. And so you know what he does? He gets up straight away and he goes to Tarshish, which is the opposite direction of Nineveh. Like if you looked at the map, this is Nineveh, that is Tarshish. And he begins running away to Tarshish, which I find very unfortunate because the closest thing to my name in the Bible is Tarshish. And it was known to be the end of the world. Like he, he wanted to flee from God. He wanted to get away. And so he jumps on a boat. And he starts sailing and he's got all these kind of things he's trying to avoid. And so you know what he does? He takes a, he takes a little snooze. He likes to sleep their problems away. You don't even, <laughs> Dan, if you want to. <laughs> anyway, he, ta- he takes a snooze. And um, meanwhile, obviously, you can't run away from God. We understand that. Yes, you can kind of turn your back on God, but you, you can never run away from him. Obviously, Jonah never read the psalm that says, where can I go from your presence? Because there is nowhere we can go from his presence. And so whilst he was sleeping on the boat, God sends a humongous storm that was threatening literally to break the, the, the boat apart. And so the other guys who are on the boat, they're like having a prayer meeting on the top of the roof, like praying to their gods. And Jonah is missing out on the prayer meeting, having a little sleep. And so they're like, where is this guy? We need to, we need to get him up here to join the prayer meeting. And so in Jonah 1, the captain says to him, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Someone who didn't even know God was, was helping this guy to you know, become closer to God. How interesting is that? He was like, how can you be sleeping right now? How can you be void of concern, like for your safety, for our safety? But I think God was also kind of poking his heart, being like, how can you be sleeping right now? How can you be uh, void of concern for my people of Nineveh? And we find out the end of Jonah that, that God cares for Nineveh. He describes it like, like the way that he created a plant, that, you know, he, he sees them, he, he grew them, he understands that they don't know the difference between their right hand and their left hand, just like I don't. I still struggle. But he sees that and, and he loves them. And that's why he was calling Jonah to it. And so Jonah wakes up and he's like, okay, I understand this storm is here because of me. Toss me overboard. And so they're like, no, they're quite nice people. They tried to row to shore. Didn't work. They ended up throwing him overboard. Um, and this is where it gets really weird. God sends a huge fish to come along and swallow Jonah. And he ends up inside of this giant fish for three days just praying to God. We find out that he actually really knows his word. A lot of his prayer is taken from different Psalms and Bible verses and the, the whale or the giant fish eventually vomits him out on shore. And finally, Jonah makes his way to Nineveh. Okay, he preaches an amazing sermon. He preaches so well that literally even the animals end up wearing sackcloth. They're so repentant. From the youngest to the oldest, everyone was like on their faces, just like crying out to God. I repent. They believed in God. They mourned. They fasted. And if I was Jonah, I would be like, that is the best sermon I've ever preached in my life. I'm going on a world tour. Like I'm going to every nation and seeing everyone have the same effect. Like it was so successful. 
so successful that, that God looked down and he said, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened, right? Jonah should be ecstatic. He should be so, so happy right now. But Jonah is a weird fish. And this is what the Bible says in Jonah 4. But Jonah, to Jonah, this seemed very wrong. What? He became angry. He prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, just take away my life, for it's better for me to die than live. But the Lord replied, um, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. So even after all of that, Jonah was still wanting to see the city burn. Like he was still expecting, like that's why he went out of the city, sat down and was like, come on God, you're gracious, you're compassionate, you're, you're, you're slow to anger, you're abounding in mercy, just burn the city down, God. What is with this guy? Obviously God doesn't do that. Because um, he said, you know, he, he turned away from, from bringing that destruction upon him. But Jonah was an angry little boy. He was not happy about it. He was bitter. He was prideful. He was self-righteous. He kind of had this mindset, you could say, where he was like, I've done the hard yards. You know, he might have even been Christian his whole life. You know, I have prayed. I've memorized the Bible. You know, I deserve your grace, God. But these people, they don't. What have they done? You know, they, they should have worked for your grace. They should have worked for you to turn and, 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 and love them. He was angry. He was bitter. He was prideful. And he was left outside. Sounds a little bit like the older brother in the prodigal son's story. We're going to read it this morning from Luke 15. Oh, it could even be 14. Not 15. Should have gone with it. Jesus shares a story and um, he gathers people around and he's shared a few parables, but this is the one, um, the parable of the lost son. He said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth in wild living. After he'd spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself to a citizen of the country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When, they came to his sense, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and I'll go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him, ran to him, threw his arms around him and kissed him. 
You see, repentance in the Old Testament, the word repent always meant to turn. It was an action. Whereas in the New Testament, the word repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change in action. The very steps that this son was taking, after he'd changed his mind, he'd realized he'd done evil in the sight of heaven, in the sight of his father, he decided that he was going to walk back to his father. Those very steps that he was taking was saying his message louder and clearer than what he ever could. He was, he was repenting, coming before his father. And the moment that he did, his father came and embraced him. He ran out the door and gladly received him without a hesitation. He didn't say, stop. Okay, what do you have to say? Right, come and work for me and then we'll talk about food. He didn't say that. Straight away he embraced him. Straight away he loved him. Straight away he invited him into his home. Because we learn from from Romans 10 that God is always out there with his arms outstretched all day, every day, waiting for his children to return. And so when they finally do, what is it? It's a party. It's a celebration. And the father, he, he, he puts on the best celebration that you would have ever experienced if you were there. He kills the fattened calf. He gets everyone together. There's a DJ probably. They're having a party. And then the older brother comes home. He'd been out in the field. He finds out what's, what's going on. And then the Bible says this. In verse 28, the elder brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I've never disobeyed your orders yet. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That is a reason to celebrate. That is a reason to party. The father, it says, he, he pleaded with the older son. He went out of his way. He went out of the house to where the oldest son was. And he was like, please, like, come in. You know, yeah, you can, you can also eat of the fattened calf. You know, you can also enjoy the part. You can bring your friends along to this. Like, come in. But, but he didn't. And the end is actually not too happy for the older son. And I've begun to realize in my short 23 years of living, that the end matters. The end matters. We're going to read Jesus' words in Matthew 24. It says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The one who stands firm to the end. The, the end matters, not just the one who, who stood firm in, in a, a, a few pinnacle moments, not just the one who stood firm in the beginning, but actually the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. The end matters. Now, I want to draw a few correlations between Jonah and the, the older son. So Jonah, if you, if you were to 
compare the pair. If you were to get, you know, Jonah here and Nineveh here, right at the beginning before God even spoke to Jonah to go and, and talk to Nineveh, if you had a trophy to give out, like who is the closest to God right now, straight away you'd give it to Jonah. You'd be like, he's in the Word. He understands God. He's listening to God. He even hears God speaking to him. He, he would win it. But then by the end, we see that Jonah is actually outside of the city. He's angry. He's bitter. He's praying that God will take his life. The whole scoreboard would flip. You would actually say, well, Nineveh, they are the ones who are repentant. They are wearing, even their animals are wearing sackcloth. Like they are, they are earnestly seeking God. They would, they would end up winning that trophy. Do you see what I'm saying? Like the, the prodigal son, the older son and the, the younger son, at the beginning when the younger son was in his party phase, you would be like, well, the older son would win that trophy because he's actually in his father's house. He's actually there and he's, you know, with the father. The, the younger son isn't. But then by the end, again, the, the scoreboard kind of flips around. The younger son is the one who's in the house. He's partying. He's living it up in his father's love. And the older son is the one outside, not in the party, angry and bitter. The end matters. I brought this up to say, like, who are we to actually judge someone based upon the season that they are in, depending on how their end is going to be? Because the end has not yet come. If we're still breathing, there's still hope. And it's exciting news for us if the end matters. It's, it's exciting news for us because it means no matter how far we've walked away from God, it's good news for your family and for your friends because it means no matter how far they've walked away from God, no matter how um, deep in sin they are, no matter how much in the party scene they are, no matter how deep in debt you are, no matter, no matter how far in depression or anxiety, no matter how much you're leaning on coping mechanisms instead of leaning on God, you still have time to come home. You still have time to walk to your Father and experience Him running to you. We still have time for that. The end matters. It's important news for us. What does it mean as well then for, for us who maybe we do find ourselves in his house? You know, you've had that moment where you've turned and you've, you've come up to God and you've realized that, that you desperately need him and he's invited you into the home. What do we do in the meantime? Romans 10, we're going back to it. Romans 10 says, For there is... No difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. If I can have the band up with me. It says, there is no difference, therefore, 
between Jew and Gentile. There is no difference between slave and free, rich and poor. There is no difference between Jonah and Nineveh. There is no difference between the older son and the younger son. There is no difference between someone who's been raised up in church their whole life and someone who's been raised on the street because we have the same Lord over all. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but God has extended out His hand of grace to us every single day of our lives. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they going to call upon the name of the Lord unless they hear about the name of the Lord? How are they going to give their life to Jesus unless they hear about Jesus? How are they going to hear about Jesus unless somebody tells them about Jesus? And how is somebody going to tell them about Jesus? Wow. That was probably not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's all right. It's a bit of spiritual warfare. That's what, that's what happens when, you know, the Word of God's getting preached. <laughs> how are they going to find out unless someone goes? Well, Jesus in Matthew 28, He says, Therefore go. Go and make disciples of all nations. Who's he speaking to? Is he just speaking to 12 guys? Probably. No, he's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He tells us to go. God gives us a mandate on our lives to be Jonah in our community, hopefully with a better mindset than Jonah had, to go out to the lost, the hurting, the broken, our family members who aren't walking with God and to bring them in. Not with, you know, an iron rod. God doesn't do that. No, with love, with grace, with acceptance, inviting them into our home, showing them, demonstrating that God invites them into His home. That's what God calls us to do. Now, going back really quickly to this stall, the beautiful stall. <laughs> you know what happened? I got home and um, I suddenly realised I was you know, restoring this stool, putting it back in its rightful place so that it can be used. And I picked it up and I realised, oops, I nearly, I nearly died for a broken stool. You know what I want to say this morning? Jesus not only nearly died for something broken. He did die for something broken. And that was you. And that was me. Jesus Christ gave His life fully aware of the state that we were in, fully aware of the state of humanity, fully aware that we were full of sin, that, that we, were the, we were the Romans 10 people where it says, all day long I held out my hands to a disobedient and rebellious people. We were the disobedient and rebellious people that Jesus Christ gave His life for. He didn't just narrowly miss, He did die. He was whipped with nails. He was hung up on a cross. He was the ultimate Jonah. 
He came, the Bible says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He went to, to go through that with joy and excitement, knowing that he gets to be with you, knowing that he gets to carry you in, broken and all, right into his house. He like picks you up. You know, we're like this, we're like, God, you know, do you really want me? I can't even flip it around now. And he's like, yes. Yes, I do. I really love you. And you're like, I'm falling apart. He's like, I can see that, sweetie. I understand. (laughs) But you're safe with me. I'm bringing you into my home. He gave his life for us. Man, I, I wish Jonah and the older brother understood that we are all like this broken stool. We are all like Jonah and Nineveh alike. We are all like the older brother and the younger brother alike. No one can take the moral high ground except for God. All have fallen, all have fallen short of the glory of God, yet He reaches out His hands all day long. He he is the ultimate Father. He didn't actually just wait at home for us to return. He actually left His home. He saw us broken on the side of the road in the smelly, slimy pit with the pigs, and He came. He scooped us up. He allowed all our muck to go all over Him, all our mess all over Him, and all His grace came over us. How good is our God? He is a God of restoration. Amen. He cleans us up. He places us in a place that we should never have been except for His grace. Will you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. Our God is so good. He is so good. Right now, I want to give an opportunity to anyone who has never come home. And you're hearing now that that He's actually been like this all the time. Every day, every moment of every day, He's been stretching out His hands to you. And you want to take hold of your Father's hands this morning. You want to come home even though you know you're this broken stool, but you're hearing that He loves you anyway. With everyone's eyes closed right now, I want to give you an opportunity to come home to your Father and to reach up your hand high in the heavens to take hold of His so that we can see it and I can see it in a prayer team at the back, but really as a demonstration that you're reaching up and grabbing hold of God's hands, knowing that you need His saving. So with every eye closed over this place, if that's you this morning, can you pop your hand high in the air? And I'm going to see it. Our prayer team's going to see it. Amazing. Is there anyone else this morning? Praise God. Praise God. He sees your hand. He's grabbing hold of your hand. He's running to you this morning. Praise God. Stay in this moment just for a few more, few more moments. I don't want to miss. I don't want to miss anyone. Is there anyone else? Praise God. Yeah, see that hand. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. All right, together as um, a family, I'm going to say a prayer and I'd like you guys to repeat it after me. And those who have got their hands up, you're saying this for the first time. No, you were saying this before God and this is Him accepting you into His family, which He's been His heart the whole time. So will you repeat after me? Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I know I'm broken. I know I'm a sinner but I thank you for your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. I receive 
your love. Come into my life. I give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we please celebrate this morning for those who gave their lives to Jesus? The best decision that you will ever make, ever. Praise God. Now, if you did raise your hand for the first time, this is like, you know, you're, you're stepping into the home, but there is so much to discover. There is so much to explore. There is so much to find out about your father. So I encourage you to come and chat with um, myself or any of the pastors here. We've got a prayer team at the back making it nice and easy. We want to give you a Bible as well. So please don't leave without having further conversation and we'd love to pray with you as well. Now, before we go into worship, oh, I just want to do one last call. For, for anyone who knows people who aren't yet in the home, you know, it's important. God says, go, let's, let's go, let's, let's bring people in. And I want us to pray. If you know anyone who doesn't yet know Jesus, maybe a family member or a friend or someone who's hurting and broken and they just, they need Him. Or if you don't have anyone in particular, let's just be praying for our city. I want to encourage you right now. Let's just stretch out our hands as well to our Father and let's bring those people before God. Let's bring them before God and ask Him to, to, to bring them back to home. Father God, You see the lonely. You see the hurting. You see the broken. You see those little lambs that have walked away from the flock. And Father, we ask that you'll draw them back to you, God. We pray for those who do not know you. And God, we ask that you'll use us as beacons of your light to spread your grace and your love, to have your gospel, the good news on the tip of our tongue wherever we go. Lord, we pray that we will see salvations in the workplace, salvations over family dinners, salvations in the streets, in our communities, in our sporting clubs, in the homes, God, as we're having conversations on the couches, will you be bringing people home? Will you bring people home? I just declare we'll step into a a greater season of, of people coming home. Will you extend the doors, Lord Jesus? We thank you for extending out your hands and inviting us home. We worship you right now, Lord, with everything that we got. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. You are a God of grace, a God of restoration, a God of mercy. Thank you for giving us what we did not deserve. And right now, Lord, we we worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.